Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is another edition of our Unsung Hoopers, but today we're going to talk about HBCUs. So Jalen and I came up with three Unsung Hoopers each. And we're going to discuss them. Jalen, who is your first unsung hooper from an HBCU? Now, Ryan, I have to start the podcast by saying this might single-handedly be one of my favorite unsung hooper episodes outside of the WNBA episode that we did most recently. Because I love just how much deep diving we had to really do for this if you guys don't understand it is not very easy to pull up hbcu statistics um is very is even more interesting trying to find legitimate guys who stand out for these teams and it's one of those things where i think legitimately we probably could have found even more guys than who we already have but i'm going to start off with Devonte parker for norfolk state uh the norfolk state spartans 6'3 200 pounds averaging 15.4 points per game 5.4 rebounds per game and 3.8 assists per game, shooting 42% from the floor. This is a guy who's had a couple of pretty nice standout games. Most recently, they played against Coppin State, and he had 16, not he had 16 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists in that game. Um, unfortunately, that was a loss. It was 74 to 64, but there was another game, 84 to 72, where Norfolk State actually took the dub. And despite, our, d- despite the fact that our boy, Dewan Clayton, who we actually brought up on another Unsung, uh, Unsung Hoopers episode, um, who dropped uh, 18, 7, and 2, take a look at our boy Carter, who had 31, 8, and 7 in that game norfolk state is also sitting right now sitting pretty at 10 and 7 i believe so they are having a relatively good season in the mid-eastern as the fifth best team there um for just for some notable names that are above them right now in the standings florida a&m coppin state who obviously already mentioned before our homies down the street in Morgan State, who's probably going to get brought up on this podcast at some point, and NCA&T, which is a team we're actually going to discuss on another podcast, discussing some of the better HBCUs in the country. So they're a pretty good team in Norfolk State right now so far this season in the Mideastern, and Devontae Carter is the lead workhorse for that because no matter what game he's in, he's pretty much putting up double digits. The only single-digit game he had this year was against NCW early on in the season. So I think that that's going to be really interesting to see how they finish out the year because they've got some interesting matchups down the line with Morgan State being one of the next games coming up this weekend. And my first unsung Hooper as well was Devontae Carter from Norfolk State. He's the team's leading scorer, and he stepped up for Norfolk State in many of their games. You mentioned two of the games already against Coppin State. I want to go back further and talk about the games against Hampton and Delaware State. He had 29 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists against Hampton. 18 points, 4 rebounds, and a steal in the third game against Delaware State. I think Devontae Carter could end up leading Norfolk State 
back to the NCAA tournament and maybe pull off a first round upset like they did against Missouri a couple of years ago. But I want to transition to my second unsung hooper from an HBCU, Malik Miller from Morgan State. Miller is averaging close to 14 points a game, close to nine rebounds, two steals, and a block per game. He's shooting close to 55% from the field, 35% from three. He has improved in scoring throughout his career, and he went from averaging 5.6 points per game his freshman year to 14 points a game now. He's one of the best defenders in the conference, as he has only one game this season without a steal and four games without a block. He has six double-doubles this season, and five of them have come in the last seven games. And just looking at that stretch of games, 21 points, 12 rebounds, three steals, and a block in the first game against Coppin State. 30 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, block, and a steal in the second game against Coppin State. 16 points, 11 rebounds, a block, and four steals against St. Mary's in Maryland. 15 points, six rebounds, six assists, a block, and four steals against Delaware State. Even though he only had six points in the third game against Coppin State, he had nine rebounds, two blocks, and two steals. In the fourth game against Coppin State, 16 points, 10 rebounds, a block, and a steal. And then to close it out, 19 points, 17 rebounds, two blocks, and three steals in the second game against Delaware State. Malik Miller has been an integral part of Morgan State's offensive success. And I feel like this is the thing that could help Morgan State get into the tournament. I think the most interesting thing about Malik Miller is probably just his consistency, but I think you throw that next to the fact that Detorion Ware is also another guy who's come up pretty big in these games as well. You mentioned that on one of that one of those games, uh, February 2nd against Coppin State in a 95 to 82 win. That was a game where uh Ware had 20 and 6 of his own as a leading scorer on that day. I mean, you look at some of the other games as well. The most recent game against Delaware State, you look at that one, and that's one where Ware came up small, and that's where Mike Miller played out of his mind. But uh, a guy by the name of Langio Grantsan, I think is how you pronounce his last name, 21-3-1. So I think the interesting thing is that Mike Miller is the guy who relays consistent, but they have other guys who can trickle in uh, 15 to 20 point performance next to him to really get, uh, you know, get the ball rolling. Now, granted, you know, any win against Delaware State is not necessarily a standout win because they're not really a prominent team in their conference right now. I think they're like, I think they only have one win on the entire season. But Morgan State looks really, really good right now is what the second team in the American uh, Athletic Conference. So with that being the case, I mean, you could argue that they really have a better overall like like body of work than NCA and T does because of the fact that yes, NCA and T is four and zero in conference play, but Morgan State has six wins in conference play and has already played eight games in, in conference in comparison to NC State, who's only played four. I think the other thing, too, is that Morgan State is six and one on the road. I think that's huge when comparing it to some team like NC State, who's above them, who's only three and five on the road. So Morgan State actually, despite being the second best team in their conference record wise, might actually be the best overall performing team in terms of, you know, their overall conference from top to bottom with, of course, NC State being at the top and Coppin State nipping at their heels right behind them. So I think it's really interesting looking at their team with uh, Malik at the helm. I think the most interesting thing for them right now is just the idea of finishing the season 
you know, significantly above 500. I think that's the big goal for them right now, because we, let's not act like Morgan State has had like the greatest basketball program, you know, in the area. Like, I mean, not not I'm not just saying that out of HBCUs. I'm also not trying to compare them to the Towsons or the UMBCs or the Maryland's of the world to a certain extent. But honestly, even amongst some other teams that aren't as prominent basketball wise in the area, like Stevenson, for example, I feel like Morgan is still kind of just like, you know, flown under the radar, even next to teams like that, who haven't necessarily stood out basketball wise in the, in the past couple of years. So I think that Morgan state is on a really good trajectory. Like you said beforehand, are they an NCAA tournament team? I think that has a lot to do with how they do within their own conference play. But I mean, like you said before, I think Malik has them headed in the right direction. And if, as long as they continue to have guys step up on a game to game basis, I think they're going to be able to pick off a good part, a good amount. I'll say they'll be able to pick off a good amount of their conference. And I think that might lead them to one of their first births and, you know, I'm going to say in and leave it at that. Cause it could be ever, you could say century, you could say even longer. It's just been a really long time. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that Malik Miller is one of four or five guys on this team that averages in the double digits in terms of scoring. And I feel like they have so many scoring options on this team where I feel like they're, they're a threat in every direction. And I think that with Morgan State and their success right now, this is a team that could end up being a sleeper in the NCAA tournament, especially with the success that they've had this season, the success that they've had in all their games in conference and out of conference, and the success they might be able to have in their conference tournament. Jalen, who is your second unsung hooper? So the next guy that I have to bring up is Troy Mayne Crosby out of Alcorn State for the Alcorn State Braves. This is a guy I had to really go digging for this dude because, honestly, Alcorn State is – they're not that great. So Alcorn State is 3-9 and nine on the season, 3-4 and four in conference, 1-6 and six on the, uh, so one and six on the road. Not a very great team. But Troy Mayne Crosby, despite being on a bad team, is probably one of the bigger, um, uh, like, bright spots for this team. So he's averaging 19.6 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game. Um, he's not averaging – he's averaging basically under an assist per game, but he's, at, he's shooting 44% from the field. And I should throw in there that he also is shooting 33% from the three-point land, which is not great, but it is a career high for him which I think is significant to touch on. He also is averaging just over a steal per game, which I think is also pretty good when you look at the fact that he is showing up on the defensive end. Now, when you look at some of their most recent games, again, you have to remember, he is pretty much the beating pulse for Alcorn State. For Alcorn State. So in the game against Grambling, where they lost 67 to 62, he had 16 points and 11 rebounds. Very, very nice output against Jackson State. They lost 74 to 66, but guess who came to the rescue? Crosby with 25 points, four rebounds, and one assist. Go further back, look at a game where they did win. They beat the ASU Hornets. That was a game in which he had 19 and six. So this is a guy that basically win, lose, or draw, he's going to get his buckets. No questions about it. I mean, 
he's pretty much going to put up anywhere between 18 and 22 points a game on a regular nightly basis as pretty much the only real offensive threat for Alcorn State. And the Braves really lean on him to pretty much control all of the offense, which when you look at the whole, the circumstances of it, we're looking at a guy who's 6'4", 200 pounds, 200 pounds flat, plays the guard position, and he's pretty much like their most dominant rebounder to a certain extent too, which is like kind of, kind of interesting like you know to be doing that for their team um I think the other thing to touch on too is just the fact that like you know he's a guy who he's he's not really a three-point shooter like I think that obviously shows up in the like the percentages but like he's a guy who's like a really nice slasher drives drives very strong does a lot of his stuff inside he's not really a facilitator he's a go get it go get to the basket kind of guy and I really like the way he plays really downhill and like I said for the Braves he's really the only like beating pulse for this team considering that they're not very good in the standings and this is not one of those teams unlike the other two teams we talked about so far that we could be talking about as potential like NCAA sleepers or anything in terms of the tournament the only way that we could describe Crosby is that he's a bucket getter. It's easy to say because the type of numbers that he's playing up for Alcorn State, I know the record doesn't show it, but this team has some talent. I think Troy Van Crosby is a guy who is part of that talent. And I think, you know, like you said, he's the beating pulse for this team, but he's also their main source of offense. And I think that's what's been so important to Alcorn's wins this year. I know they only have three wins, but Troy Mann Crosby has been, or has played a huge part in all of those wins. And I think he's been able to capitalize on his skills so far at uh, Alcorn state. I know he's a senior. I think it'll be interesting to see where Alcorn state finishes out. Maybe they have a chance in their conference tournament, but I think it really all comes down to how well Troy Mann Crosby plays because I feel like wherever he goes, the team goes. If he plays well, the team is going to play well. Jalen, who is your third unsung hooper? So this one, I think this is a guy who we both are going to be able to agree on pretty easily. Pretty easy. CJ Kaiser out of North Carolina Central. This one hits home for me in a certain kind of way. Uh, for people who know me personally, I am from Georgia, but my pops is from North Carolina. Had to get a North Carolina guy in here. We had plenty of Maryland dudes in here um, on other podcasts, um, episodes for the Unsung Heroes. I felt like this was one that definitely felt in, fell into a really good category. I say that he plays for North Carolina Central, which also hits very close, but what hits even closer is he was born in Baltimore, Maryland, which is also a really great uh tidbit as well but let's talk about what he does on the court 18.6 points per game 3.4 rebounds per game 1.2 assists per game 51.2 percent from the floor this season shooting nearly 40 percent from three shooting 39.4 percent from the three-point line struggling from the free throw line at 66.7 percent so far this year but this is a guy who transferred from wichita state you know obviously that's one of them one of the more prominent you know programs um, as like, you know, a non-Power 5 school that's kind of been out there. Shout out Fred Van Vliet and the alma mater and such. Um, but I think that it's one of those things that you look at 
you look at what he does on the floor, and like I said beforehand, he's not some significant three-point shooter. Uh, uh, I mean, he's not a significant free-throw shooter, but from three, he shoots relatively well. I think the game that stands out the most to me is probably his game against top-level competition like UNC. This is an interstate, uh, not rivalry game per se, but an interstate matchup against uh, another North Carolina team where he put up 19-5-2. Pretty much the only other player who was even on his level for North Carolina in that game was Armando Baycott, who had 19-11 and 11 in that game. So outside of that, he pretty much outperformed anybody else on the floor at the guard position in that game. And I think that's the that's the one that stands out the most for me in terms of his personal performance. But if we take a look at some of the most recent games, NC Central has not been on much of a tear lately. Their last win was February 2nd against South Carolina State, which is an 0-15 team. So that's not really saying much. But he had 15-5-4 and in that one-point win over that zero win team in the last two games he had a game against florida a&m where he had 13 and 8 and then his most recent game um against florida a&m where they lost 60 to 47 that was one where he had 19 and 7 so he's a guy who i think i think you can kind of put him in a similar ilk as like troy main crosby in terms of being a guy who he's 6'3 190 pounds but he's one of their most like aggressive rebounders while also being one of their leading scorers on the offensive end not really much of a facilitator but once again ryan it's the hoop talk podcast and we loves us a bucket getter he's averaging almost 19 points per game he gets buckets so i mean you know i think cj Cos is the next guy up on the book i think the one thing that you didn't mention about his transition from wichita state to nc central he wasn't really given the keys, so to say, of the offense when he was at Wichita State. His freshman year in 2016-2017, he had 1.9 points a game. The following year, 1.7 points a game. He transfers to NC Central. It changes immediately. He averages 11.6 points a game, 2.7 rebounds, and assists the game just under a steal. And he's shooting 51% from the field. 40% from three. That's his first season in NC Central. He decides to capitalize on that by averaging close to 19 points a game, close to three and a half rebounds, and assist the game just under a block and over a steal a game. And he's shooting about the same as last year, 39% from three, 51% from the field. You know, Jalen, this is a guy who is a bucket getter. It's easy to say, and that's as simple as it is, and that's as simple as it gets. Moving on to my third unsung hooper, it is Alabama A&M's Jalen Johnson. The interesting thing about Jalen Johnson is that early on in the season, he was second in the NCAA in scoring right behind Luca Garza. This was the first week of the season; he was averaging close to twenty-six and a half points a game. And in his first two games this season, he put up 28 points, seven rebounds, and a block against Sanford. He put up 24 points, 11 rebounds, a block, and three steals against South Alabama. But then Alabama A&M didn't play a game until January 16th. This was mainly because there were two canceled games and four postponed games. But Jalen Johnson was still able to have some great games. 
19 points and five rebounds against Southern. 18.7 rebounds, two blocks, and a steal against Prairie View AM. 14.6 rebounds and a steal and a block against Texas Southern. 13 points, 10 rebounds, three steals against Missouri Valley State. 22.7 rebounds and a block against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Jalen Johnson's been their leading scorer for this team. I feel like wherever Jalen Johnson goes, this team goes. If he plays well, the team plays well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Jalen Johnson is the fact that, first of all, we have to make sure, Ryan, it's really hilarious that we have to preference this because this is not Jalen Johnson for Duke that's a potential lottery pick uh, coming up in the next upcoming draft. This is an Alabama A&M guy, which I think needs to be like really pressed down on because, you know, different players, but I think that he's still playing at a really high level. I don't know if he's a draftable guy right now as a sophomore coming out of Alabama A&M, but let's touch on, let's touch on the intangibles, right? Let's touch on some of the, the intangible things. Six, seven, 230 pounds. Um, like you, like I said beforehand, second year um, at Alabama A&M, right? He went from 5.5 points last game. I mean, last season to 18.3 points this season. He's averaging nearly a steal and a half per game just under a block per game. He went from 2.8 rebounds last year to 7.1 rebounds this year. He is not a three-point taker <laughs> at all. That is not his game at all. But he's improved within within himself in terms of shooting from the floor. He was shooting 46% from the floor last season. He's shooting 54%, nearly 55% from the floor so far this year in the eight games that, have, that he's played in. Now, granted, he's playing with a lot more minutes. Last season, he only had 14.6 minutes. This year, the keys have kind of been more in his car in terms of giving him, you know, free reign to kind of play and learn because he's playing almost 30 minutes per game this year. So I think those are the two biggest progressions for him is the fact that he has stepped up with the newly presented minutes to him. Now, some of the games that stand out to me, obviously, you mentioned before, you mentioned some of the games, but the one against Mississippi Valley State is one of those where he had 13 points, 10 rebounds, but he had three steals in the game. I think that's something that's huge too. He's a guy who definitely plays on that side of the ball. I know he's averaging just under um, two steals a game or just under um, just under about, uh, yeah, just about under a steal and a half a game. But he definitely comes up on that side of the ball. I think one of the bigger things with him too that maybe hurts him a lot is just that he gets in foul trouble to a certain extent. I mean, he's had just in recent memory, the last six games that he's played out of the six games or out of the last five games, we'll say he's had three, three of those games. He's had three personal fouls. Like we have to remember in the college game, the rules are a little different. You get one less foul. So five fouls is a foul out. So he's one of those guys that I feel like, although he's playing higher minutes, he is putting himself in a position where he tends to, you know, get in that kind of circumstance and there's games where you know when he has you know those foul trouble issues he is still relatively aggressive in the game in the most recent game um against uh arkansas pine bluff i think is the way you would go about it. the golden lions basically is who i was trying to go for he had three he had three uh fouls in that game but he was still aggressive 22 and 7 so i think this is a guy who only plays at one speed plays at one speed, plays hard on the boards. And I mean, like you said, he, he's a guy who goes after it and is easily, you know, one of the better players on their team. 
not that Jalen Johnson, this Jalen Johnson goes crazy. You know what I mean? For Alabama A&M. And I think he's going to be a guy who isn't a legitimate, like, NBA prospect to me, but I can see him going crazy overseas or linking himself up with somebody's TBT squad or maybe getting a really nice run at maybe the G League. I think with TBT, that one's a little bit different just because I don't know if I doubt Alabama A&M would have like some kind of like, you know, fraternity team or anything like that or any kind of like, you know, returners team. So unless there's some kind of like HBCU squad, that would be kind of interesting. But other than that, I think he could be a really interesting overseas prospect as well. If not a guy who could develop a little in the G league moving forward, if we're just talking about guys potentially being, you know, NBA prospects and such. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is one player that you believe is an unsung hooper at an HBCU? This has been a great episode today on the hoop talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.